Our gospel reading today is taken from Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, reading verses 44 to 58. And Jesus said to the crowd, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and he sold everything that he had and he bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but they threw away the bad. And so it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and they will separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished, and they said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. And please be seated. And let's pray again together. God, our Father, as we approach your holy word, we bow before it. We acknowledge that it is your word, and we pray that your spirit would make things plain to us. Help us to understand. Help us to hear the voice of Jesus. We need desperately to hear his voice and to understand his gospel. And so we yield to you. And we ask for your great grace to be upon us this day. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, what is life all about? That's the question that's been asked for thousands of years. It's the question that's still being asked today. And the answer to that question are legion. And many people in our world take a certain comfort in the plurality of pathways to happiness. There is an unmistakable comfort, even though it's false, and even though at its heart it's idle, in not having to be too certain about anything on account of the vast sea of options out there. There are just so many paths to peace, this person says. Let's not be unduly anxious about any of them. And this person looks out in the vast 
sea of answers to life's great question, and he says, let it be, let it be. And then he whispers the word of wisdom, just let it be. But in the Gospels, there's no such vague and uncommitted generosity. In fact, Jesus comes with very articulate and pointed certitude, and he says very forcibly, there's only one answer to this life. There's only one point to your life today. There's only one true happiness that can come out of this life, and that is the kingdom of heaven. Your breath, your heartbeat, your active limbs, your appetites and your desires, the neurons firing in your brain even now, all of these things serve one purpose alone. And that is, it's made for the kingdom of heaven. And where that kingdom is not the goal, Jesus paints a picture of ultimate loss. There are only two destinations for the human being today. There is perfect satisfaction. There is infinite joy in the presence of God's kingdom. And there is terrible and frightful and unimaginable loss. There is the sheer defacement of what it means to be a human being in those who willfully choose that region which is outside of the kingdom's walls. And so Jesus comes to us today and he says to us, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus comes to us today as the great and the final interpreter of all reality. And he says to us today, there's only one thing in this life that should dominate your attention. You must first seek the kingdom of God. For it's there alone that your happiness and it's there alone that your contentment lies. And what a struggle it is for us today to listen to him. What a struggle it is, if we're honest with ourselves, to hear the pleading and the beckoning voice of Jesus urging us to choose the better portion in this life. It can become so very faint in our ears. It's so easy to be numbed by our culture. It's so easy to be drugged by its values, to succumb to the siren call of living for the visible today instead of pitching our hopes on the invisible grace of the kingdom of God tomorrow. And those deceptively sweet lyrics, they come to us even when we don't perceive that they're coming and they wash over our hearts and our minds until we find ourselves acquiescing in very material ways to the vision of the world. Imagine there's no heaven, the lyrics go. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. But against this ungodly tune cuts the voice of the gospel today. And it cries out in the streets, there is indeed a heaven to be gained. There is indeed a heaven to be gained. There's something that you've been made for and it's the ultimate thing you should be pursuing. And it's what you should be doing with your life today. You, the voice says, you were made for the kingdom of heaven. 
Your days and your nights, your Mondays through to your Sundays should be invested in the kingdom of heaven. Do not labor. The voice cries out on the streets, do not labor for the food that perishes, but labor, work, strive for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal. And today in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus moves again to explain to us what this kingdom is all about. And I want to focus with you today on three of the attributes of that kingdom that Jesus conveys to us. And first of all, Jesus says in our text today, verse 44, that the kingdom is a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is not a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure. It's the treasure that makes all other goods in this life pale in comparison. If we could compare side by side the treasure of heaven with the treasures of this life, it would make our sweet seem sour. It would make our fresh seem stale. It would make our light seem dim. It would make our joys in this life seem altogether weak. See, we were made for life. We were fashioned for life, and as creatures of God, we pant for life. We long for life, and we seek for life and experience. We seek life in camaraderie. We seek life in knowledge and in growth and in discovery. We seek for life in material possessions. We are hungry. We are all together hungry for this thing called life. And here on this planet, we get a substantial taste of it. But the gospel comes to us and it tells us that there is a reality. There is a treasure in the kingdom yet to come that outshines the treasure of this earthly city by the power of a million suns. In that kingdom, the gospel says we will possess the author of life himself. I am the life, he says. In my kingdom, you will come, and I invite you to drink perfectly and freely of me. In his book, Fairest Flower, uh, F.G. Huegel, the longtime missionary to Mexico, writes this. He says, no one has been alive so much as Jesus The voltage of the current of his life was so high that to touch the hem of his garment was to be healed. Life issued from his innermost being with such power that every form of disease, every plague, every infirmity to which sinful man is heir yielded to his healing touch. We will never see Jesus as he is until we see him as the life of the ages, teeming with cosmic plenitude. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. I am the bread of life, he says. Drink from me and from your innermost being will spring up a very river of life. And although we can experience this now, although we are united to Christ now and we partake of him mysteriously and powerfully, even as we will today in the Lord's Supper, What we experience now pales in comparison to what we will gain in the consummation of the kingdom of heaven, which is yet to come. Now we groan. 
Now we are in the pains of childbirth. Now we wait, we read. Then the infinite treasure of the person of Christ, the author of life, will rush upon us and will fill us with such rapturous force as to make everything that came before to seem like a mere trickle. And so the kingdom of heaven is a treasure to be prized today above everything else. But secondly, as Jesus paints in his parable today, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure that is hidden. Now there's a real sense in this parable in which the treasure is hidden and then found. It is uh, under the ground and then discovered even as the gospel is hidden to everyone except those whom the Lord calls. In a very real sense, we've seen the treasure because the Lord has graciously opened our eyes to see it. And yet the emphasis here on the hiddenness of the treasure shouldn't be dismissed. Even for those who have seen the treasure, the treasure of the gospel and the treasure of the kingdom remains hidden. John Calvin writing on this passage says this, he says, we commonly set a high value on what is visible and therefore the new and the spiritual life which is held out to us in the gospel is little esteemed by us because it is hidden and it lies in hope. See, that's Paul's point in Romans 8. We are saved, he says, in hope. We're not saved by what we see. We are saved by what we hope for. And what a difficult thing it is to keep our attention on something that we can't see, especially when there's so many sparkling and shiny things around us. We are so captivated, writes strong Calvin, by the allurements of the world that eternal life fades from our view. And sometimes we forget that there were two trees in the garden of our first parents. There was one tree forbidden to them, but there was another tree to which they might freely resort to, and it was called the tree of life. It's what the Puritans called the sacrament of Adam and Eve. They would resort to that tree in life continually, and they would feast on the eternal life of God. But all of a sudden, that eternal life faded from view as Eve perceived that the other tree was what? Was a delight to her eyes. And so it has always been that that which is a delight to the eyes steals our affections from the eternal life of the kingdom of God. And what today are the sparkly things? What today are the shiny things that are stealing our affections from the Most High? What delights to your eyes are cooling your affections for the good of the kingdom? How are our eyes being diverted from the tree of life? The kingdom of heaven is an invisible thing. It's a hidden thing. And thirdly and finally, our parable tells us today that there's only one thing to do in view of these very real temptations. And that is to sell everything in order to obtain the treasure. Jesus advocates today an act of comprehensive and total abandonment for the good of the kingdom. If you knew the gift that I'm offering you, he says, if you knew the life that I'm offering you, you would scorn and spurn everything that tries to compete with it. 
If only you knew, he says, the value of this treasure that I'm offering to you. If only you knew what it means to drink of the author of life forever. You would cause all things, you would call all things as dung in comparison to the excellence of this gift. The gospel isn't requiring us to abandon other possessions in this life or every other possession, but it does mean, as Calvin writes, that we must prefer the good of the kingdom to all the riches and all the pleasures and all the honors and all the advantages of this world to such an extent that we would gladly throw everything aside that would keep us from the good of the kingdom. I have seen what the Lord is offering me. And all these things are worth nothing at all. I've seen the gift of the kingdom of God. And I want it. And so let me ask you this morning, is there anything today that is dulling your affections for Christ? Is there anything today, patterns in your life, behavior, things that you're doing, things that you're not doing, that are making your conversation and your life earthbound rather than heavenbound? Because Paul says, set your minds on things that are above. Don't set your mind on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is, he's your life. When he comes, you will appear with him in glory unfathomable. And you will never, ever regret giving things up for the kingdom of God. Sell those things that distract you. Sell the things that distract you. Sell the things that are cooling your affections for Jesus. They may be lawful in themselves. They may be lawful in themselves, but they may not be helpful. They may be lawful, but they may not build you up. They may be lawful, but they may enslave you and divert your eyes from the kingdom. And if today you find that your affections are on the cooling trend, brothers and sisters, take those things and throw them all aside. Throw everything away that keeps you earnestly desiring the good of the kingdom. And I want to close today with you with a prayer from my beloved brother, Martin Luther. And so would you bow with me today as we pray in response to the word. And let's pray together. Oh, my dear Lord Jesus Christ, you have said, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. In keeping with your promise, give it to me, Lord. Lord, I ask for neither gold nor silver, but I ask you for a strong and a firm faith. I desire nothing that the world cherishes. For by those things, I would not be lifted up even by the breadth of a hair. But, O oh Lord, give me your kingdom and grant me your Holy Spirit who enlightens my heart and who secures in me 
a right faith in your grace right to the very end. For I pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.